Welcome to season four of Inside Marketing Design. This is a show that takes you behind the scenes of the brand and marketing design processes at tech companies. And in this season, we're gonna do things a little bit differently. In the past, a season of this show has been about three months long where I'm sharing one episode per week during that time. This year though, we're gonna spread it out a bit so that you can stay up to date more easily and make sure that you're always getting new inspiration from the way that other tech companies do things. So for season four, you can expect a new episode to be launching every single month for the rest of the year, both on YouTube and a new podcast player. And I have decided to kick off season four with an in-depth look at brand and marketing design at the company that I work for, ConvertKit. ConvertKit is an email marketing platform that helps creators earn a living online. And I have been working there for more than six years now. Actually, the very first episode of this podcast back in 2020, I did a solo episode talking about my work as marketing design lead, as the only marketing designer in the company. Since then, ConvertKit has grown and we've split a brand studio team out from within the marketing team. And I have been promoted to creative director to lead that brand studio team. I am thankfully no longer the only person in the company responsible for branded marketing design. So I am joined in today's episode by our senior brand designer, David Preston. Now you might recognize David from season two where I interviewed him about his work at Sendable. He joined ConvertKit in 2022. So a little over a year ago now, year and a bit. And he's extremely talented. He's got a background working in both marketing design and product design. So he brings great systems thinking to our team. And you're gonna hear us talk about systems we've been working on building to get more done as a very small team in this episode. Our branded marketing design processes at ConvertKit have changed a lot since I recorded that solo episode. And I think you'll find it really interesting to see how we've evolved over the years, what we've focused on, what challenges we've found solutions for, and of course, which ones we're still facing. So let's jump in and take a look inside marketing design at ConvertKit. So David, this is a bit of a different episode because I'm not technically interviewing you. We're just talking about our work together, but why don't you kick us off and tell the people who is on the brand studio team at ConvertKit? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. So it's myself is the senior brand designer. You are the creative director. So you sort of steer the ship. Then we have a storyteller in-house, Issa. We've got Henry, the filmmaker, Corey, the web developer for the marketing site. And I think that's, that's it. it. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I don't it. forget anybody. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> that's, that's the five of us. And our team is responsible for building our brand, evolving our brand, building brand affinity, and also creating assets that we can use to drive brand awareness and also conversions like signups to our app as well. Our team sits within the growth org in the company. And as well as our internal like full-time team, we work with a bunch of contractors too. Holly Arnett has been a contract graphic designer for us for a long time, like I want to say four or five years now, first working on our blog and now on a bunch of other things as well, including our illustration system. Um, we have Michael Escamuelas, who does motion graphics for us, which is really cool. So we kind of pull in these contractors with special skills that we perhaps don't have on the team or like just the external folks are going to be much better at to supplement in projects from time to time. 
Holly has been like a very good longer than me, technically, even if it is in a contractor capacity, but we wouldn't be able to move projects forward without them. It's a massive help. And especially when they have skills that I don't possess, you know, like I cannot illustrate anywhere near like Holly does. She does a great job of that. And I can heavily rely on her for that. And likewise for Michael, I'm an absolute noob in After Effects and he's a wizard. I mean, I could learn something, but it would take me two months. So I'd rather have you focus on other projects. (laughs) Yeah, having them uh, as part of the wider team is a massive help for us. And what I really like is that we have them in our Slack too. So we're not like only emailing them and it's feeling very separate. They're in our Slack. We can ping them just like we do any other teammate, which I think helps them feel more like part of the team as well and helps our collaboration. So previously, most of us used to actually be part of the marketing team, but we grew as a company, we split out, and now we're our own team under the growth org and the marketing team are now like our peers, which is really nice. David, how would you describe your responsibilities as our senior brand designer? Yeah, as you mentioned, we sit within growth, right? What else is in growth? You might have just said it, but we've got marketing and sales and account management. Yep, sales and e-commerce, but that's a much better way to say it than just saying Sam. Um, yeah, I always forget. Customer experience team, our reputation right. and revenue team as well, who handle like deliverability and billing and things like that. And so we're all quite a multidisciplinary org. And I would say marketing is who we partner with the most, right? Well, the way that I look at it is I'm, I would say, more heavily weighted in the execution side. So you and I kind of work together on the strategy and the planning. You obviously execute on a lot of stuff as well, but where you seem to be more weighted in the planning and the long-term strategy side and making sure that everything that we do as a team is onto a single goal, I would say I'm just leaning more into the executing on the things that we need to do in terms of creating assets or properties like web pages and things like that. So my role also has a little bit of coordination where it comes to coordinating contractors or external design partners and other people that we're working with. I'm probably like 60, 40 more into executing and you're probably the other way in terms of strategy and executing. That's the way that that I see it. I don't know how you feel about that. I have a feeling that the percentages might even be slightly more different. It might be more like 80-20 for me or 70-30 on the strategy versus executing side. I don't know how I feel about that because I do really like to get my hands dirty in the pixels. <laughs> but, you know, this is working out well for us at the moment. I also see that you, though, David, as being focused on not just executing on the things, but because you're a senior brand designer, you're thinking about them in terms of the wider system of our brand and making sure things are consistent as well, which I do too, but I definitely see you owning that and doing a great job with that. Well, we're going to get on a bit later into some advice and stuff for other people in the industry, but that's one thing that as you become more senior is just taking more initiative and um, bringing your own ideas to the table. So as I'm executing on stuff, I'm still trying to pitch my own ideas and starting out with the way that I think something should be done based on my experiences and then being receptive to feedback because a lot of the time my ideas aren't the way forward for what we're trying to achieve. Before you were creative director, with how much I'm having to execute and bring different ideas to the table, do you think it was the same before you became creative director? I think it was very similar, but I was um, also the most senior design person on the growth like marketing side of the house. So I was doing strategy stuff too, which is how I think I've ended up as creative director. 
And now, yeah, my role is a lot of creating team alignment, looking overall at our brand, getting that bird's eye view and spotting what opportunities we have for improvement, what things might be like letting us down and like trying to clear the space essentially to make those things happen. And so I'm doing a lot of like cross-functional conversations to advocate for projects, coming up with a plan for how I think we can tackle a project, getting us the right resources and things like that to make things happen. We actually spoke about it this week. Our head of growth gave us the analogy of the mountain, the path, and your feet. And I think now you're looking a lot more at the the mountain and the path, whereas I'm looking more at the path and the feet. I think that it's a good analogy to to tie back to that. How would you describe how we collaborate as a brand studio team, specifically brand design, I guess, with marketing? Yeah, it's interesting because as I joined ConvertKit, which is a little over a year ago now, there was the move away from, or well, the separation of marketing and brand to become their own entities. But like you said, we collaborate most with marketing. So right now, the biggest challenge is just being aligned on the same campaign goals and giving enough space and time to plan what's needed for those campaigns. We can't plan for a campaign a week out and expect to have pages built and assets created by then. So I think right now it's primarily just about communicating and and making sure that we're on the same page. I don't know if there's anything specific that you have in mind that you wanted to go into, but for me, it's just making sure that we have a long-term plan in place. And I think this year we've already done a better job of that by separating which campaign is going to be part of which part of the year. But other than that, there is some reactive stuff that comes up like some a change in the marketplace where someone's changed their pricing or we just seem to have people coming over to us from another tool and we want to create a campaign for that kind of stuff. So a lot of it can be reactive, but I think planning in advance is our biggest benefit right now. Yeah. And we do tend to work in campaigns like as a growth org. And so obviously marketing and brand together, we're both playing our parts in that. I think we have a good collaboration with marketing because it's not like we're there solely to execute on what they need. We can also advocate for what we need from marketing too. Like I can get involved in our campaigns and I'm crafting the campaign narrative, for example, uh, of what messaging we should use in this campaign, how we should position our brand through it. How can we use this new product feature as an opportunity to shine light on our brand or like change brand perception in a certain way? The marketing team, especially our product marketing manager, Francis, has been really receptive to that and we collaborate really well on that, I think. And it kind of does feel like we're all working together on the assets for a campaign, not like Brand Studio is making things for marketing, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think, it again, it comes back to the whole mountain and the path again, is if we're walking different paths and we're working on something different, we're just not going to get the same results. So. Being in alignment is really important between brand and marketing. Also, not just taking a problem from the marketing team where they may have a predisposed idea of the solution, where we can rather take the problem and think of our own solutions and the best way to solve that problem based on something that they've discovered within their campaign planning. 
Yes, exactly. We can always feel free to suggest our ideas. I think something that helps us collaborate is that we have cross-functional meetings sometimes too. Like every week we have a site squad meeting, which is made up of our product marketing manager and our SEO manager from the marketing side, and then us two and Corey from the brand studio side. And I think that us being like a little squad working on the website together because the marketing site is a property that we are primarily responsible for, I would say, as a brand studio team for like bringing it to life. But obviously it's the main asset the marketing needs to meet their goals, right? And so they have ownership in it too. And our little cross-functional squad, I think, goes a long way in improving collaboration across our two teams. Those are one of the things that I'm just so used to now that I forget that we're actually from different teams. So that's a great point. I think it works both ways as well, where when we come together as a brand team once a week, we've all been part of different cross-functional meetings. So when we come to meet as a brand team, we bring those conversations together as well. So it like works on the reverse side of that. But that's a really good point is, yes, we have these org structures of growth, brand, but we also have the squads, which is kind of like where the work gets done, to be honest, is within the squads. And not only is it good for the just executing on on a common goal, but it's good for like our company culture. You know, I work with so many different people across different campaigns and we might talk about the creator network, which is something we're working on right now. We have a weekly sync with that. And that meeting has got anywhere between 20 and 30 people in it at times. And in a, in a 60, 70 person company, that's like it's a large chunk, a of, the good chunk of the company. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, those cross-functional meetings are, are super important, not just for executing, but for building relationships within your organization and your teammates. Yes, especially because we're remote. We didn't say that yet, but we are remote in case anybody didn't know. Um, and then another cross-functional meeting that we have that's really valuable is our design team meetings. We don't have technically like a design team in our org structure at ConvertKit, but it's basically just all of the designers at ConvertKit getting on a call together every two weeks or so. We have this great agenda, Fig Jam that you made, David, that's really awesome and we all add to. We discuss inspiring things, talk through, I don't know, opportunities that we see, give feedback to each other's work. We do a little show and tell, which I really like. That has been transformational, I believe, in getting brand design and product design closer together within ConvertKit. Because I think in the last episode, I would have talked about the fact that there was a divide and I was like, why is this, why is this so hard? We're so small. We should be closer than we are. And now I feel like we're in a pretty good spot. But what do you think? I, I didn't experience it for that long when it felt disjointed, but I would agree. I think as much as you can work in the design tools that you're used to, even for meetings, you should do it, which is why we love FigJam so much. Rather than having meeting agendas in Google Docs, like why not do it in the thing that you're used to working in and being able to add visuals and ha it's the tool that's always open on your computer, you know, or at least on mine it is. Yeah, I think... As a design team across the entire company, there's less than 10 of us, which is pretty small for a software company. So we need to rely on each other. And I think the amount of times I've brought something to one of those combined design meetings between product and brand, I always think I'm at a dead end with an idea. And then someone from the product design team says something and it just, it clicks, you know. So having those outside opinions and 
even though you and I work so closely together with a lot of our brand critique and feedback, getting we an outside opinion. We can be too close opinion, to it sometime. Yeah, exactly. And even when it's feedback from non-designers, it can be helpful. So yeah, I definitely think the gap between product and brand has come together and we're working on things now like a shared illustration system where the illustrations you see on our website will be the same or similar to in the app. And I think those are all things that create a unified experience for a customer who's come from our website and then signed up to join the app. Yes, I think especially the show and tell portion of our meetings and just like getting everyone comfortable sharing work with each other has helped me as creative director be able to have more influence, I think, within our product on design decisions that impact our brand, whether it's choosing a color that's going to represent a certain feature, right? If we're doing that in the product, we need to be doing it on the marketing side of things as well to keep consistency. And yeah, our like show and tell sharing has been really helpful with that. Do you think we should talk about Creator Network maybe as an example of a project? Because it's so fresh in our minds. We're literally like, we were probably both working on it two seconds before we jumped on this call. <laughs> yeah, I'm deep in it. I can show you sketches. For the video watchers out there, It's uh, it's been going on. But we did sort of complete already one phase of the campaign. So maybe let's talk about that. I think it's a good example of our collaboration with marketing and like the flow in which we work on things together. So why don't you start, David, by telling folks what Creator Network is and about the waitlist campaign that we ran, high level. The Creator Network is a way for creators to grow their communities and their lists by using each other, you know, and leaning on each other. So the easiest way to describe it for me is like suggested followers or users on something like Instagram. When you follow somebody, you'll get a list of suggested people to follow that are similar to this person. So... The difference with what we're doing on the creator network is that you choose who you want to recommend. So let's say I have my own email list and it's on my website. And I want to say every time someone signs up to my newsletter, I want to recommend Charlie because we both talk about design. It's less of a in your face, like he has a bunch of random people we think you'll like. And it's more about curating and selecting people that you want to work with. And just within the testing group that we're running now, we're already seeing people's lists grow because of the network effect. So it's working really well and we've executed on it pretty quickly as well. So it's been cool to see results so early. Yeah. And this was a like a key feature for us at ConvertKit this year that we're launching. And obviously when you're launching a new feature, like in a new, new feature inside your product, you want to create a marketing campaign around it that's going to make an impact that's going to get people excited about it, not just get existing ConvertKit users to join it and like start making use of the feature, but also get new people to sign up too. And so that's where we came in and we ran this waitlist campaign where it was like, sign up, join the waitlist to get a chance to try the beta. For this, I wrote the campaign narrative like I talked about before. So that kind of looks like an overview of what is the what are we trying to convince people of with this campaign? What are we trying to portray? What perception are we trying to build? And from that doc, Francis, our product marketing manager, creates a go-to-market plan, which details all of the like assets and things we're going to need to create in order to bring this to life. And that is where you came in, right, David? Yeah, pretty much. The tagline for the landing page ended up being, grow your newsletter faster with no extra effort. So that's kind of like the crux of what we're going at. We want to be able to show creators 
that we can facilitate the acceleration of their growth by helping them join forces with other creators. And the most important thing is it's other creators within your niche. If they're interested in design and they're following Charlie, then they're probably going to find interest in other designers because that's why they're following you, right? So building out the wait list was, for us, a way to generate interest, a way to let people know about the idea, and then also a way for us to get feedback on not just the product, but on the campaign, because we we haven't launched to the general audience yet, right? We're still in a beta phase. So whilst our product team is getting feedback on the beta product, we're secretly getting feedback on the campaign messaging and making sure that it hits home and that it's resonating with people so that when we go to launch, we've refined that and we've iterated on that and and hopefully can be even more effective than what we've seen with the waitlist launch. Yeah. What did your process look like for creating all the assets that went into marketing this waitlist? What do we make and how did you go about doing it? We had the brief and the campaign doc. That's where we got most of the messaging and sort of strategy from. And then from there, it was focusing on the waitlist landing page first because I think it's easier to build out assets around the campaign based on whatever visual identity and design language you decide to use on the waitlist landing page. But I think I started with the wireframes, just getting a structure of the page down. And because this was less of a long-term campaign production and more of a like we need this pretty quickly so i jumped into just using old landing pages that i'd created and just i've just pulled components from there so it didn't look like wireframes because a lot of it had actual colors and real buttons and things that we use but it didn't have much ui thought it was just getting ux structure on a page and that way i was able to collect feedback a lot quicker I let people in the team know, I was like, look, this isn't final high fidelity designs, but what do you think of the layout? Is this communicating the right message? Then teammates who were writing copy were able to see the copy visually and they could see where it's too long, too short. And then while all that's going on, going to all the other necessary people who are involved in their campaign, Caitlin, who's writing emails for all the emails that will go out, Danny, who was running social media, Tony from an ad agency partnership that we have, what they're going to do with paid ads. So I then reach out to them and ask them, what assets do you need for you to be successful in your side of this campaign? That was quite a long process. And this leans more to me talking about the coordinating side of my role. And then once I've got all those requests, I make sure I've got all the details that I need from everybody then I went to our partner, Superside. Then I take all those requests from everybody else and I package them into something that they can understand and brief them basically on all the assets they need. And then while they are doing that, I can go back to the landing page design. In the past, I've done landing page and assets together at the same time and one of them always suffers. Either the assets just don't have a lot of variance or the landing page is rushed or so this was great where I could focus on the landing page. From there, it's, it's just about getting the landing page shipped and getting the assets to promote traffic and get people to the landing page and sign up for the waitlist. And I mean, we'll have some on screen now for people watching the video version, but there were so many assets as part of this campaign. And I don't think we would have been able to produce that many, you're right, without having outsourced help. I think this is honestly something that 
I learned during the last season of Inside Marketing Design was just how much other companies rely on an external partner for stuff like this. And that is why we now have SuperSide because I was like, look, this is what other companies do. I've got to advocate for us to have this as well. Clearly, it's been working out great for us so far. I think it's really important that you talked about all the coordinating you did for that, David, because we don't have like a brand producer on our team, which is also, as I've learned from doing this show, something that a lot of other teams have is a brand producer who acts as the go-to for all the other teams in the company and is like collecting those needs, feedback, whatever. We don't have that. We have to do our own project management. And for us, that looks like leaning on a tool like Monday to gather needs a lot of the time. And it's definitely been a team effort, this project. It's how we work as a growth team in its most ideal form. Obviously, there's times where things are much more chaotic than this, but this is our ideal process, one we've managed to put into action for this campaign. And we're running it again right now for kind of like the second iteration of this campaign, because obviously now we're going to be launching the feature live to everybody. We want to promote that. And we're learning from how the previous campaign performed, what assets did best for us. We'll lean into like similar things to those in future. Can you talk about the photos that you took as part of this campaign and why you took them? Because that was from an, an asset learning, wasn't it? I have experience with photography from a past life. I knew from other campaigns that just photography of a creator using our tool on their laptop or whatever, they've performed well in ad assets releasing a new feature into our product we had no photography or we had no images of a creator using that tool and the reason why photos work well is because they add context to around the desk or a creators even just the hands of the creator you know if they've got nail polish on if they've got paint on their fingers it tells a story so and i'm comparing this to just having a screenshot of the product you know i've got a camera here and i knew that we needed photography and i just asked my partner if if she would sit down on her laptop and i put the designs up in a figma prototype so it wasn't even in the product but it, it looked like the app and uh, took some photographs and gave that to whoever needed them in in the campaign and that was allowed people to share on social media it gave the impression that like here's the product out in the wild but yeah i think that was just an example of look i need something it's going to take way longer and way more costly if i requested it from a photographer or or somebody else and i had the ability to do it so i knew it wouldn't take that long and it worked out really well and i think those are running as ads now as well in the campaign, as well as in, in organic assets. So I think I'll do more of that in the future, to be honest. I like it. And that's the taking initiative that you were talking about before as well. In general, I think we're pretty lucky with the photographer we have access to at ConvertKit though, right? Issa on our brand studio team, who David mentioned before, writes these long form profiles of creators that we publish on our site. They're beautiful. They're also recorded as a podcast if you prefer to listen to them. But as part of this, we commission a photo shoot of the creator. So we get a bunch of really high quality images that we can use to accompany the story. We give them to the creator to use as well so they can have like updated headshots and things like that. But it also means we get to use these images in the rest of our marketing. Uh, like that's part of the contract that the creator signs. And so we have this huge library of like our own stock, quote unquote, photography of real creators who really use ConvertKit in their real spaces, doing their real creative things. And I think that's pretty special. When we first started working with Superside, they were putting together a presentation for us 
and they had a photo of someone on the first page and I was like, oh, I don't recognize this person. Who is this? And they were like, it's a stock photo. <laughs> like it's a stock model. And I was like, no, we do things differently here. Let me show you where you can find a real creator. And I just think that's really cool that I can look at our site and be like, oh, there's Gabby, you know, there's Cortland hanging out on that page. And they're not just photos to us. They're like people behind the photos too. I think it's good to have your awareness whenever there's something that you know you need a lot of or you always run into a roadblock of, oh, I don't have this thing. Like when you have the opportunity, just like create a bank of those things or have them at the ready. And I think that's essentially what a design system is, right? When we reuse something over and over again, we create a system that that we can use. And I think photo and hopefully in the future for us, video will be a part of that. Especially when you're trying to tell a story, I think photo and video just do such an awesome job at that. Yeah, and we didn't say this in the start too, but making creators the heroes of our brand is really important to us at ConvertKit. That's what we aim to do with everything that we put out. We want to make sure that creators are the heroes of it. And so that's why we are very pedantic about things like not using a stock model, but using a real creator instead. But I think you just gave us a good transition there, David, to talking about design systems and how we're using systems currently to like increase our efficiency. But I actually want to hear from you, from your perspective, when you joined the team, how it felt to have like a lack of system for, you know, like, let's be honest, that's, that's what it was. We were doing work really reactively. We were very low on capacity. Like we didn't have as many outsourced resources as we do now. What did work feel like to you working in that environment compared to now? In my last, I would say my last two roles before this, so three in total, I haven't experienced what it's like to work with a complete system and to have like a systems designer. I think every company I've worked at has been in desperate need of a systems designer who just focuses on that. We've come a long way in in the year, but I still think we've got a long way to go. It does energize me. I don't want to say I'm passionate about it. Some people like Joey Banks is very passionate about design systems. So if you don't know Joey, go look him up on, on Twitter. Great, great guy and a very talented systems designer and designer in general. But I would say that we have come a long way. We're seeing progress. One of our ConvertKit customers, James Clear, he wrote Atomic Habits. And what we need to do with our design system is to just make it a compounding effort where we do a little bit every week or every month or every day even, because over time that's going to grow. Making components and making things that you use a lot of time and just having that awareness of when is something taking up a lot of your time, that to me is a good signal like, okay, we need a system here. When you notice things are looking a bit like disjointed that was the case with the illustration system for example like we were producing a lot of illustrations and they were all bespoke for the most part but they weren't connected to each other and they hadn't been connected to our brand personality for example and so we need, knew we needed to like okay let's just stop and like figure out what the system should be and then as we produce our bespoke illustrations going forward we'll have that alignment and like thing to measure them against but yeah, sometimes it's hard to find the time, right, to stop and put that thing in place. Yeah, it feels like you're not working on something that is moving you forward towards your goals. But once you start feeling what it's like to just pull these components together, I mentioned it when I created the first draft of the creatornetwork.com 
I wasn't necessarily using a design system, but I was using components from an existing landing page, which allowed for me to create it quicker. So it makes such a huge difference. But what do you think's missing right now for our design system? If you could think of anything that is is our biggest miss. I actually think we've been focusing on the right things. Clearly, there's a lot missing. Like We don't have much of a design system. But we've been putting time into building the systems around doing the work, like coming up with what our illustration style should be, for example, and going through that whole process, like putting together a clear process for teams to request assets from us. We used to just like have people pinging each other randomly. Someone would ping Holly, our contract graphic designer, directly asking for something you and I would have never known that that was on her plate. And so if she's out sick, we don't know that that's something we need to like pick up the slack on. That was really chaotic, it felt, for me last year. And I think that near the end of last year, we finally got this in place and that that was worth focusing on. I feel fine about the state our design system is in because I'm happy with what we've been prioritizing. And I know that the effort we've put into defining the system, which is basically a set of forms in Monday, our project management tool, people can submit for what they need. It goes into a board. You and I review it every Monday. You know, we get it into our roadmap. We decide, are we going to do this internally? Are we going to get Holly, our contract graphic designer, onto it? Are we going to get SuperSide onto it? And we like manage all of the needs in a much calmer way, I think, than it felt in the past. And that was absolutely worth the time. Now, I think, is time for us to really focus on our marketing site design system and start fine-tuning there. We'll talk maybe in a minute about our new site and like why it's in the state that it's in and what we've been doing on it for the past year. But yeah, that's that's what I think overall. Yeah, I think we've definitely focused a lot on a brand system versus the marketing site system because like illustrations and photography and things like that, they don't necessarily need to have parity on the development side. But in a marketing site or a product design system, you've got, let's say, an icon that is X amount of pixels away from the title. That needs to be mirrored in li- the live development side of it. So I think we're lucky in that regard in terms of what we've been doing. We haven't necessarily needed that yet. But as we go into the marketing site, we're going to involve Corey, who's going to be like, the engineering systems manager as well as the design system. So Yeah. Um, actually, I just thought of an answer to your question about what's one main thing we're missing. I actually think we're missing an easier way for people and us to use our, all of the photography that we currently have. I think we need some a better like brand asset access point than Google Drive, which is where everything lives right now. And we need to be able to like tag the photos with things so that it's easier to find the one that you need to do your work. I feel like the only reason I can find photos to use is because I know them so well and I've like seen them before because I've looked through the story and I've looked at the photo set. And so I like know what I'm looking for. But that's something that I think would be a good opportunity for us to get our brand to be more consistent by making it easier for people to make on-brand choices. Same with our illustration system probably too. We just started using this new tool called Pitch for presentations and Pitch were also in the last season of Inside Marketing Design. I might have been influenced by yeah by them um, to, to sign up for Pitch as like our cloud presentation tool. But um, we've set up in there like a, a bunch of little hand-drawn accents that people can add. 
to their presentations. I want to add illustrations in there too. But this is just like our efforts, right, to help people produce things that are on brand by themselves, not always having to come to us and request something from scratch. I think the more we can be like the polishers than the like building things from the ground up for stuff like presentations, maybe even like social assets and stuff, the better because it'll free us up to focus on other things. What do you think you want to do next for our design system? Like what's something you're itching to get stuck into that you think would be really useful for you to to do your job? I definitely think the marketing site is my next focus. I'm just thinking about being able to build pages quicker, but finding the balance between that and still having some creative freedom to create new things. I think we need to just pinpoint specific pages that will follow a similar layout. Like if a feature page has a similar layout, then we can create elements that are already components, but then actual entire sections. So I can almost like a drag and drop builder with multiple versions of a section, whether the image is on the left or it's centered or whatever it is, being able to just drag that in, select it, let somebody else add and copy. That's where I would love to get to. Things like buttons and, and all that kind of stuff is is pretty pretty. Our common, buttons are but... a joke by now because we have refactored that component like 50 billion yeah. times, I swear. But it just always needs to be done. There's always a better way to do buttons. <laughs> yeah, it's you just you suddenly realize that the harvest state looks different on on a dark background. So then you change it and then I get a message from Corey saying, Hey, this isn't the same one in the design system. And I'm like, I know, but, <laughs> but do better. it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those kinds of little details. I think to solve that, you just have to create the variants or the use cases that you might run into in the future because you want to try and learn that lesson before you're trying to deliver something on the day or something like that. I think that I'd like us to get to a point with that like drag and drop style like you're talking about, mostly so that we don't end up having to do one specific page template, but we can more like build a page based on templated pieces, if that makes sense. Like I don't want all of our feature pages to have to have the exact same sections in the exact same order. Um, I think that that might not be the best way to talk about one feature versus another. I think that being a little bit looser will give us the flexibility to let the content dictate what the design should be. But that if we are picking from a set of predefined sections and like layouts to build that page, it'll be easier for ourselves and everybody involved too. (laughs) Again, talking about the parity with the development side of it is if those sections are pre-built in GitHub, Having that design parity between the two is going to allow us to build pages quicker, not just design them quicker. So we're we're lacking capacity in our design resources, which we're solving through outsourcing. I think we're going to bring on like a contract development help this year as well for a few bits and pieces. But I would say the main way we're solving our development capacity issues is through systems. Building a design system that's reflected in Figma as well as the app, that's going to help us cut down on like design feedback time, hopefully cut down on build time as well so that we can meet the needs, like the growing needs of our team without growing our team. Because we don't have headcount slated for this year. This is something that I think people often find interesting is how slowly we hire at ConvertKit. We have strict rules on like the amount of annual recurring revenue we have as a company per employee. 
so that we don't hire too quickly. And I'm like in this economy, very glad that we have that in place because it's meant that we haven't had to do layoffs like a lot of other tech companies have had to do at the moment. But it does mean that we have to get creative with the ways that we solve problems because we can't just be like, hire someone. But let's talk about Site 2.0, which is our pet name for the latest version of our marketing site. Last year, Corey refactored our site completely. So like not one single line of code that you see on ConvertKit.com now existed this time last year. Um, It was completely rebuilt from the ground up on a new system. It was previously a very custom WordPress theme. Now it is built on Next.js using React and Tailwind. But yeah, we completely overhauled our site. We wanted to have a better system. We also wanted to be able to get better performance from our site too. We're struggling with site speed, which is really important for SEO, which is a main like traffic source for us. But maybe David, you can talk about what role you played in this project because honestly, you had a lot of more hands-on time with this project than I did. Most of it was around just reviewing and QAing a lot. When of you pages. say just reviewing and QAing, you mean reviewing and QAing, I don't know, like a hundred pages? <laughs> Something yeah, like it that? Does, it, we did it over a longer period, so it didn't feel like it. And a lot of the pages were similar, but yeah, there was just a lot of reviewing. I would definitely say we, we didn't cut corners. We just made a lot of compromises because we knew that having the new code base was more important than everything being perfect right now because it would make us work faster this year. It was built like within WordPress's framework, PHP and all of that. And it just slowed us down. Every time we needed to launch a change, we'd have to wait 15 minutes for that change to be reflected for us to see something. So just having the code on the new headless WordPress through React and and that whole new system has allowed for us to do things quicker. So even though we made some compromises, we've been able to fix those compromises quicker. So other than that, it was a lot of collaborating with Corey and just letting him know what I was seeing on my side. I'd have my iPhone out, my iPad out, my MacBook, so I could see different screen sizes all at once. I would use Chrome's inspect tool all the time and I would I actually created presets of each breakpoint that we have in our system. Uh, so in the inspect tool you can create presets for different layout widths. So I would just click through all of those and see them and that allowed me to just give feedback quicker. And then this year we've actually learned that Vercel, which is another tool we're using to <laughs> test stuff in some, and, yeah, some way yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's like a staging environment basically that's it yeah i can add comments directly into the html which is which is amazing that saves a lot of time my process was uh, screenshotting in figma and putting it in figma and adding comments so that's negated that need which has been pretty great we didn't create a lot of new components there might have been some cases where we did but more of the new creation has happened this side of the year yeah, we had great plans when we first set out to be like, okay, let's rebuild our website. We were like, why would we rebuild something we know we're getting rid of? Let's redesign each page as we go too. We quickly realized how much we were biting off more than we could chew when it came to that idea. We scaled back. We're like, okay, well, we'll just redesign these pages. Okay, maybe just these five then. And then I think in the end, we redesigned the features page and that might have been it. <laughs> of the the new pages we shipped. So we did take a gamble and like 
taking on this project. I think this is a good example of the influence we have as a brand studio team in the company that we can advocate for a project like this and say, we need to really slow down, like drastically shipping new stuff to our site. We did, of course, fix things and like add stuff that needed to be added throughout the year, but we didn't take on any like conversion rate improvement projects, for example, because we knew that we needed to invest the time now in order to be able to move faster in the future. I'm really glad that we had buy-in on that from the execs because we're already seeing the benefits of it and the speed at which we've been able to work for this Creator Network project, for example. But I am still excited for us to get onto officially redesigning the pages that we have to do because I know that there's a lot of opportunity for us to improve our conversion rate. It's something that we focus on a lot at ConvertKit, but we haven't actively been able to do a lot of like testing and design changes to push towards it recently. What are some of the pages at the top of your priority list that you want to start redesigning and why do you think they're, they're so important? Definitely our whole features section, going with that idea of the modular, oh, that's a good word that just came to mind, modular sections to build out feature pages. I think that we have a lot of feature pages that are very old, like years and years old, and they're perhaps not reflective of the current state of the product and all the great things you can do with it. And part of that is because it was not easy in our previous site system to make updates. And we didn't have like the modular idea going so that it was hard to like fit a new section and basically get to redesign the whole page if you wanted to add in just one thing. Otherwise, it felt like a Frankenstein. So I'm excited to get that going. I think that it'll serve us to be able to be more nimble with the way we update the site to talk about our product as we ship new product changes. We're going to obviously focus on the homepage and the pricing page, I think. As a software company with a subscription model, people tend to go to the homepage and the pricing page. Those are our most traffic pages by far. Yeah, that's just, that's a reality that we face. So I think we'll definitely be focusing our efforts there in terms of optimizing. But like you said, I think there's a few signs of old branding and just inconsistencies that in an ideal world, we would love to just focus on changing all of that, you know, and updating all of that. But with things like new features, like the creator network, we have to prioritize. And that's just something that happens as a smaller team. We can't always just be making things the way we want and fixing branding along the way. So I would say, yeah, the homepage, the pricing page in terms of optimizing effectiveness there. I think we'll do this as well by adding to it piece by piece. And I think the announcement bar that you added recently as part of the creator network campaign is a good example of that. That's a new component that we now have in our system that we designed because we needed it for this campaign, but we know it's going to come in handy for future campaigns too. And whenever we need one, we can now like turn it on and make it happen and it exists. We invested the time to build it and it'll serve us in the future. And so I think with every project we do going forward, we'll look for other opportunities like that of like, okay, we're building this thing. What piece of it are we going to add into our design system that we know we're going to use uh, in the future? Yeah. And it's it's like thinking of the site as a product, you know. I think, like you said, when we decided to move things to the new code base, we told everyone that we couldn't add new stuff to the site. And essentially what we were saying was you can't add anything new to this product until we do this thing. We've definitely thought about it like that. And now we're at a point where, okay, we're ready. The foundations are in place and we're ready to do these things. So a lot of it comes down to communicating and making sure everybody's aware of that. These foundational changes have already paid dividends and I don't think the creator network page
pages would have been possible to have been done that quickly without SAR 2.0. So it's been awesome to see. I also don't think that we would do anything design and dev related that we do as efficiently if Corey wasn't on our team. I know this is something that you and I talked about when I interviewed you when you were at Sendable was about the idea of handing things over the fence to a developer and how different that is here. When we first formed the Brand Studio team, Corey remained on the marketing team and I quickly saw just how much value it would bring and how much you know we could improve our efficiencies and, and everything by bringing him over to Brand Studio as well um, and having the people who are making the stuff together on the same team. Even though we can collaborate really well across teams, there was just something, I don't know if it's the word is symbolic or whatever about having him actually physically on the Brand Studio team that I think has worked out really well. And I love that we have our multidisciplinary team. Yeah, that's that's been huge for me in terms of a difference from other roles is having a development partner, not only to help with the actual design and development partnership but also to work with each other on different ideas you know i don't want to design something that is going to take him eight months to build it's just not feasible so i often will wireframe something and i'll ask him how long is this going to take is this too much is this too heavy of a lift and we'll be able to iron those things out before i go ahead and spend two weeks designing something so having that close communication has been massive for me Let's start to close out this episode by looking forward to the future about the challenges we're working on solving at the moment. We already touched on this with the design system, with the pages that we want to add into the site, but is there anything else that you're looking forward to solving next, David? A lot of it is around the system stuff. I've always wanted us to use more of our photography within our brand and more of our videos. We have a series called I Am A Creator, which you talked about. They're literally award-winning films, and they're so amazing. And I, I want us to incorporate, even if it's two-second clips of those within parts of our product pages, I think they're so much more engaging for somebody just looking at a site rather than a big blurb of copy. So that's something that I want to work towards and even being able to use that as on social media as well. I would say continuing to collaborate with design partners, whether it's an individual contractor or a team, an outside company, I think that's going to help us focus on the things like refining the brand on the website and building these modular sections. Because we're not having to create 50 million assets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, it does save time. It saves a ton of time. So I think those are the main main directions I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to us now that we have shipped Site 2.0, getting back into doing A-B tests, really closely looking at data from a marketing site and opportunities for improvement there, doing user research as well. That's something that I used to do a lot of and haven't done honestly for like the past year and a half, I want to say, which is maybe embarrassing to admit, but hey, this is the realities of the small team. <laughs> you know, things aren't always ideal. And I'm looking forward to us making space to get back into that because I know that that's a major way that we as a brand studio team can contribute to our company-wide goals. Absolutely. And having the systems in place is going to allow us to create the version A and the version B a lot quicker as well. <laughs> we don't want to spend forever creating two versions that we know one of them isn't going to get used. 
Yep. Um, and what about you personally, David? What goals do you have or like want to work on next in, in your career that you're, you know, seeing opportunities to do in, in some projects we have coming up? Yeah, I haven't thought about it too much, to be honest. I think having just successful launches, we've got not only the Create a Network campaign, but we've got a few other campaigns coming up that I'm excited about. We've been talking a lot about creating new merch at ConvertKit, and I'm that energizes me. My first ever design job in 2011 was at a clothing company. So there's always that side of me. And I know I know you as well. I've been involved in t-shirt making and that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I ran my own t-shirt making business for like a decade. So it's taken me back. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe for you, it's a bit haunting and you don't want to go back there. But uh, for me, I'm excited about it because as a software company, we don't get to interact in person a lot. So we have our conference, Craft and Commerce, which is coming up in June. Being able to interact with people and give them something physical. I'm excited about how that affects our brand and the affinity that we have with people and how they perceive our brand through that. So that's just a little thing I'm excited about. And um, just us continuing to grow as a company, it's a true testament to how we are as a culture within our company, a small company, fully remote in an industry that, like you said, has had to do a lot of layoffs this year. So being able to stay stable and, and not overhire and things like that, I think while still achieving these things that we are is, is a good goal to have. I agree. I want to work on getting better at showcasing how the work we do impacts our business brand and like you know design in general can sometimes feel really fuzzy and hard to specifically measure outside of things like conversion rates and as creative director I know that it's my job to like not only build a great brand but show all the executives in the company why investing in this is important and the impact that we're all having as a brand studio team make sure that our work is being recognized I've never had the challenge at Convergit of convincing anyone that design is important, but we are a very metrics-driven company. And I want to make sure that I can put the impact we're having into the language that all the rest of the company understands, which is often numbers and shifts and things like that. So that's something I'm going to keep working on. I'm also really excited for us to have like more systems in place to increase consistency because I feel like right now we make a lot of compromises or like we ship something and we're like, we know that's as good as we could make it, but you know, we we wish we could have made it even better. And I want to start being even more proud of the end product that we put out. And I know that we'll get there by solving for the inefficiencies throughout the process so that we have time for the, the details. And let's close with a, a piece of advice that you want to give to someone who wants to create impactful brand and marketing design work in their role. Taking initiative and not being afraid to pitch your ideas, right? I think that's worked well for me in my career. It definitely shows signs of leadership and just not being afraid to try something new. And don't expect all your ideas to be to be accepted and, and to move forward. I mean, there may be great ideas, but you have to align your ideas with what the company is trying to achieve or what your team is trying to achieve. So I would definitely explore that a bit a bit more and just talk to people with within your initial team and outside of that. Like, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Have you ever thought about doing that? I would have a conversation with your manager or, or anybody who can 
a more senior designer and be like, hey, I've noticed you bring all these ideas to the table, but I don't really have the space to do that. So I would have those conversations. Also, awareness is something that I mention a lot is I get inspired by a lot of different things that I see. Shopify is a huge one for me. I just think what they do with their brand is they're always pushing it and they're always doing something new, but have a look for things that inspire you and try and identify what it is that inspired you and bring that into your role. You'll be surprised by where it can lead sometimes. And that's why I love that we have inspiration gathering as like a point in our agenda too, that we can drop in some cool things that we've seen. It's great to talk about that with other people as well and not just look at it by yourself. Yeah, I think I think there's such an incorrect view of like inspiration is just copying or whatever, but it's just not true. You get inspired by things all the time. And don't be afraid to be inspired by something like, oh, I created this thing because I saw that. Like, I'm a senior designer. I've been working for 10 years in this industry. And one of the first things I do at a new project is Google, like, inspiration or, like, go look at another website. And I don't care if someone tells me that that makes me a weaker designer or whatever, because I think everybody does it in their own way, you know, whether it's walking on the street, looking at your phone on Instagram, we're being inspired all the time. So don't be afraid to bring your inspirations into your role and just bring your own ideas into what has triggered the inspiration, basically. I love it. That's a perfect note to end on. Well, thanks, David. I'm glad that I didn't have to do this episode by myself. It was nice. nice. To, it's nice to work on ConvertKit brand with someone else and uh, also to share it with everybody too. Yeah, if you've, if you've listened to the Sendable episode, this is a full circle moment. So thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you didn't do it alone either. If you enjoyed this episode and found value in it, please let me know by leaving a thumbs up and a comment on the YouTube video or a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. With a more regular cadence of episodes throughout the year now, I'm really hoping that this show can like reach new audiences and truly become the go-to source for branded marketing design inspiration. So help me out by telling your friends about it, spread the word. You'll find all past episodes of the show, including both the video and the audio versions on insidemarketingdesign.com. So check them out and I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>